We're no stranger to controversy over the Ten Commandments being displayed in Alabama. Uh, we have, we've been there and done that. Uh, a few years ago in Oklahoma City, they experienced some controversy of their own. In 2012, they uh, put up a, a monument in front uh, of the courthouse uh, in Oklahoma City. And it was a monument of the Ten Commandments. They immediately, when this monument went up, there's a picture, controversy started. People began to complain. And one guy actually drove his car through the monument, shattering it into about a million pieces. Well, they put it back together only to remove it in 2015 because it was determined that a religious monument could not be placed on government property. Well, a few years after that, 2018, the House, the State House and Senate actually passed a bill that would allow them to display the Ten Commandments with other historical documents. I don't believe they've put it back. I couldn't find where they had put it back yet, but they actually uh, got it approved as long as they display other historical documents around this monument. But this, that wasn't the first controversy with this monument. The minute they put it up, there was immediately, the day they, they unveiled it, there was murmuring in the crowd. And the reason there was is because people began to realize that there were misspelled words in the Ten Commandments on this monument. One of those misspelled words was the word Sabbath. And they spelled it this way. They spelled it S-A-B-B-E-T-H instead of S-A-B-B-A-T-H. Now, how many of you would have gotten that wrong if I'd asked you to spell that before I said, I probably, I'm a terrible speller. Now, we all, I think, have trouble with this word. Not misspelling it, but how do we apply this commandment about the Sabbath today in our day, New Testament church, 21st century Christianity, how does this commandment apply to our lives today. Well, that's what we're going to look at this morning. We're continuing this series called 10, God's Blueprint for a Morally Excellent Society. And that is what the Ten Commandments are. They are God's blueprint for us for a morally excellent society. We can divide them into two categories. The first four deal with our relationship to God, loving God and relating to Him. The last six deal with our relationship to other people, loving others and relating to other people. You can divide them that way. We are on commandment four today. This is week five in our series, but we are in the last of that first category, how we love God and how we relate to him. The Ten Commandments should always be placed right beside the gospel. They are God's standard. They were never meant to save us. That was not their intent when they were given. That's not their intent now. We cannot earn our salvation. We can never meet God's standard on our own. God knows that. The Ten Commandments were meant to show us our need for salvation, divine intervention, a Messiah to pay the price for our sins, which Jesus did. Again, have to be placed right beside the gospel. And that's why we know, that's how we see that the Ten Commandments point us to Jesus. They point us to our desperate need for salvation. But that doesn't mean that they're not relevant today. They're just as relevant today as they were the day God gave them to Moses. Once we are saved, New Testament, New Covenant, once we're saved, they guide believers on God's right road, 
and they guard believers against the world's wrong road. That is the purpose of the commandments today. That is how we apply them today. And in that light, we're going to explore this fourth commandment. Let's review. Commandment one is God revealing himself personally as the one true God. Commandment two is showing us how we are to know him, how we can know him and relate to him. Commandment three last week is about honoring the name of God, not taking the name of the Lord in vain. And commandment four today teaches us about honoring the Sabbath, what we are to do, how we are to honor the Sabbath. The Bible teaches us that there is a time for every purpose under heaven. So the question, is there a time to rest? Is there a time for us to stop activity, to stop what we're doing and rest? Well, there is, and the fourth commandment is about that, but the fourth commandment is about more than just rest, and we're going to explore that this morning. We're going to look at what all it means, but if we as individuals, as families, as a church, if we don't get this commandment right, then we are doing ourselves and our church great harm. We have to take this commandment seriously if we're going to be healthy physically and spiritually. So let's look at Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. This is the longest commandment, more commentary in this commandment than any other. Let's look at it and see how it applies to us today. Verse 8, remember the Sabbath. Now that word Sabbath literally means to rest, to cease, or to stop, to stop everything that you're doing. All right? Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. What we're talking about here is to focus on the Lord. This, this day is set aside to rest, to stop all of the chaos in your life, and to focus on the Lord. You are to labor six days and do all of your work. Labor, work, that's your job, school, whatever it is that you do from day to day, working, stop your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath day to the Lord your God. You must not do any work, or your, you, your son or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock, or the foreigner who is within your gates. For the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and everything in them in six days. Then he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and declared it holy. So how do we apply this commandment? Is it Sunday? Is it Saturday? Is it Friday? Three major religions, Islam, Judaism, Christianity. Muslims practice the Sabbath on Friday. Jews still practice the Sabbath on Saturday. Christians, we honor the Sabbath on Sunday. So which day is it? How does it apply to us? You know, what, what, how are we, when are we supposed to honor the Sabbath? Did you know that not one place in the Bible does the Bible tell us to honor the Sabbath on a Sunday? So why are we here today? Why do we do it on Sunday? Well, these are the questions that we're going to answer this morning. What are the purposes of the Sabbath and how do we keep it holy? Number one, the Sabbath is to glorify the Lord. The purpose of the Sabbath is to glorify the Lord. Old Testament Israel to heaven. We're going to do a brief overview of the history of the Sabbath and how it's transformed from the time it was given to the nation of Israel, how they practiced it, how the nation of Israel practiced it, Old Testament, how they practiced it in the New Testament, how you and I practice it as Christians today, and ultimately 
what it means on the other side of eternity in heaven. Beginning with the Old Testament, Israel. Exodus 20 is an example of this. It's an example of how the Sabbath was a sacred event given to the Jews, just like circumcision. It was a sacred event to be done in remembrance, to honor the fact and to remind them of the fact that that they belong to God. It was was given to Israel to, to speak of God's covenant with Israel. Look at verse 10 again, first part. The seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. It was a gift from God reminding them of what? It was reminding them in Israel. I mean, in Egypt, when they were slaves in Egypt, they worked seven days a week, no rest, no worship. They had none at all. So once God delivered them from Egypt, he said, I'm going to give you a gift. I'm going to bless you with a day of rest to remind you that I delivered you from the hands of slavery. I delivered you from Egypt and you belong to me. It was a reminder that they belong to God. It was a reminder of their covenant with God. The Sabbath is a reminder that God delivered them. Now, fast forward to the New Testament, Judaism, the New Testament. The Pharisees had taken the Sabbath And they had added so many rules and regulations to it that they took it way out of bounds. Now remember, the purpose of the Sabbath was to remind the Jews that they had been delivered from slavery, a day of rest, to bless them, to give them this blessing that they didn't deserve, to rest, to worship, to remember what God had done. Now the Pharisees have taken it and made it in and of itself a form of slavery by adding all of these additional rules and regulations that no one could possibly keep. So the Pharisees had added all these restrictions. The purpose of it, the Sabbath, was to give rest, to remind them that they had been freed from slavery, and that they had made it into a form of slavery themselves. Dr. Ken Trevitt says this about what the Pharisees had done. They added their own rules and regulations to the Sabbath. The Pharisees added approximately 1,521 things that you were not permitted to do on the Sabbath. For example, you could not rescue a drowning person on the Sabbath. If you could tie a knot with one hand, it was permissible, but if you had to use two hands to tie it, then you were breaking the Sabbath. If a man's ox fell into a ditch on the Sabbath, he could pull it out. But if the man fell in the ditch, he had to stay there or he was breaking the Sabbath. I'm not kidding. You could take a sip of vinegar for food on the Sabbath, but if you took it to help a toothache, you were breaking the Sabbath. Now, this one's my favorite. You'll like this one. If a man was bitten by a flea on the Sabbath, he had to allow the the flea to keep biting him. If he killed the flea, he was guilty of hunting on the Sabbath day. I'm not making this up. These are just a few of the rules that the Pharisees had added. Again, they took this day, the purpose of which was to remind the nation of Israel that they had been freed from slavery by their creator, by Jehovah. And they turned it into a form of slavery themselves. Then Jesus arrives on the scene and he confronts them about this. They accused him six different times of breaking the Sabbath. Of course, he never once broke the Sabbath. Now, we look at those rules and we laugh, don't we? And they're funny. I mean, again, the thing about the flea, I'm sorry, I'm going to be guilty of breaking the Sabbath that day. We laugh about those rules and they are silly. 
They're a perfect example of taking something good and going too far. But aren't we guilty of the same thing sometimes? We go too far and, and, and creating our own rules and regulations is called legalism, and we're guilty of it today. Now, I've got an example of that that I want to show you. It's a video, a Christian comedian. Some of you have heard of his name. John Chris talks about different rules that we create for our children that maybe are a little bit ridiculous. I'll let you see it for yourself. I put out this Snapchat, and I was like, I got over a 1,000 responses of people, that were things of Christian people, things they weren't allowed to watch as a kid. I'm going to read a couple of these to you. These are always my favorite part of the show. Just keep in mind, this, I didn't write these jokes, okay? I'm, in this bit, I'm just a vessel, all right? <laughs> these jokes, it's like, I didn't write these jokes. This bit is like a Chris Tomlin song. I didn't write it, but I'm going to capitalize on it. You know what I'm saying? Oh! <laughs> that was the Holy Spirit. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Somebody responded and said, I wasn't allowed to watch Bambi because it didn't support hunting or the Second Amendment. <laughs> we couldn't listen to ACDC because the lady in my church told my dad it stood for anti-Christian devil children. Harry Potter, witchcraft, Pokemon, occult, My Little Pony, satanic. <laughs> Smurfs, communist. Okay. <laughs> Tom and Jerry, too violent. Care Bears, demonic. Caillou, parents too liberal. <laughs> I don't know. I never seen that show. I don't know what that means. Sweet life, disrespectful. Hannah Montana, Secret Life. <laughs> Cat Dog, Not How God Intended It. <laughs> I don't think God intended Bible characters to be played by vegetables either. <laughs> Captain Planet, too environmental. Arthur D.W. had a bad attitude. <laughs> Land before time, evolution. Dora, immigration. <laughs> Kim Possible, belly shirt. Rugrats, Angelica talk back. This is one of my personal favorites. Bill Nye, science. <laughs> and lastly, Power Rangers, because our power comes from Jesus. There you go. There we go, everybody. Keep those kids on the straight and narrow. Now, even today, we like legalism, don't we? Because it makes us feel good. It gives us things that we can check off, that we've said we've done, we can point to, and we can say, hey, we accomplished this. We are more holy than others, and we tend to take those things too far. And that's exactly what the Pharisees did. They took something that God set apart to be a blessing to his people and turned it into nothing less than a burden a form of slavery. They took it too far and ended up making it a form of slavery. But Jesus says, no, it's not to be about that. It's not supposed to be about that. Look at Mark chapter 2, verses 27 and 28. He told them the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. 
Therefore, the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. Now, why was the Sabbath getting? What is it given? What is he saying there? He's saying it was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Here's what he's saying. He's saying that God intended this to be a blessing to you, that this was meant to be given for you, to serve you, not the other way around. And what the Pharisees had taken, they had taken that and twisted it around and turned it into a form of legalism, to serve a day instead of the day being a blessing for, for them to be able to rest and to honor the Lord. But Jesus says, I am Lord of the Sabbath. Now, that statement, every Jew who heard that would know that he was claiming to be God there. And when the Pharisees heard him say that, that started a huge push to have him crucified. Ultimately, Jesus was crucified, not because of them, but because he gave his life. He was crucified, he was buried, and he arose on the third day as the Lord of the Sabbath. And that brings us to New Testament Christianity. What does the Sabbath mean to us? Think about this before we get to that. The fourth commandment about the Sabbath is the only one of the Ten Commandments that's not repeated in the New Testament or by Jesus for the, for, for the church, the New Testament church, to obey. Now, it's not repeated by him for us to obey. We do see the Sabbath mentioned in the New Testament, but it's always in relation to Israel. Now, why? Is it that he doesn't want us to honor it? Well, no, not exactly. What it means is that Jesus, that now under the new covenant, he has something better for us than the Old Testament version of the Sabbath, the Old Testament application of the Sabbath. We celebrate the resurrected Lord of the Sabbath. We are not under the law anymore. We are now under grace and in our honoring of the Lord of the Sabbath, we celebrate it the way that we do. This is what the church has done since the New Testament. Look at a few verses here. John 20, verse 19. After the resurrection, in the evening of that first day of the week, to take note of that, first day of the week, the disciples were gathered together with the doors locked because of their fear of the Jews. Then Jesus came, stood among them, and said, Peace be to you. 1 Corinthians 16, 2. This is after the resurrection and ascension. Jesus has ascended to heaven. On the first day of the week... Again, pay attention to that. First day of the week, each of you is to set something aside and save in keeping with how he prospers so that no collections will need to be made when I come. The Old Testament principle of the tithe is still applicable in the New Testament. Jesus is taking that and giving it new meaning under the new covenant. A new, a new day, a different day under the new covenant. Or Paul is, is telling us that's what we're supposed to do. Acts, Acts 20 verse 7, this is the early church. On the first day of the week, the first day of the week, we assembled to break bread. Paul spoke to them, and since he was about to depart the next day, he extended his message until midnight. Worship service, first day of the week. What God required Israel to do on Saturday, you and I are not required to do. Exactly. All right? However, we celebrate the Lord's Day... Instead of Saturday, the Lord's day, not the Sabbath day. Jesus is alive. He's risen. Adrian Rogers said this, and I'm just going to read what he said because Adrian Rogers can say anything, could say anything better than I ever could. All right. He compared the Old Testament Sabbath to, of Israel to the New Testament Lord's day of the church. He said, the Sabbath day spoke of the finished work of creation. The Lord's day speaks of the finished work of redemption. 
The Sabbath day was about life in Adam. The Lord's day is about life in Christ. The Sabbath day spoke of the work of God's hands. The Lord's day speaks of the work of God's heart. The Sabbath day displayed God's power. The Lord's day displays God's grace. The Sabbath day was given to Israel. The Lord's day was given to the church. The Sabbath day was a day of law, but the Lord's day is a day of love. And then he continues. Now hear this. Those who insist on keeping the Old Testament Sabbath rest are on the wrong side of Calvary. We're not under the law. We're under grace. It's all about the Lord of the Sabbath. All about the Lord of the Sabbath. And we don't have a negative and positive today. This is a positive commandment. But we are going to look at it this way. Old Testament equals before the cross. New Testament equals after the cross. And Jesus says, the Lord's day is to be set aside to honor me. Yes, there's still the principle of rest, but the Lord's day is set aside to honor me and to worship me. The principle of the Sabbath still applies to the church today. We are to work, we're to rest, and we're to worship all of those things to the glory of God. It's a day of rest. It's a day to honor God. It's a day to put Him first. So the principle, while it's not the same, the principle still carries over. Which brings us to our next point. It's not just about resting on the Sabbath. The Sabbath also honors work. The Sabbath honors work. It shows that it highlights the importance of work in every person's life. Look at verses 9 and 10 again of Exodus 20. You are to labor six days and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You must not do any work. Paul says in 2 Thessalonians 3.10, if you don't work, you shouldn't eat. I mean, we're all to work. There's a time for every purpose under heavens and, and everything. Ultimately, even our jobs, our schoolwork, everything should be done for the glory of God. We should live our lives, including our jobs, as a living sacrifice to God and an act of worship to Jesus. Everything that we do, including our work, should be done to the glory of God. Now, here's the question. Here it comes. Should you work on Sunday? That's the question, right? Everybody wants to know. Now, I guarantee you, if one of somebody you loved had a heart attack today, you would be glad that doctors worked on Sunday, wouldn't you? So here's the answer. Here's my, it's a tough question. It is. But here is my answer to that question. You have to follow the convictions of your heart as led by the Holy Spirit. Notice I said as led by the Holy Spirit. We're told in Romans 14, 23, especially as it relates to the Sabbath, that we have to follow the convictions of our hearts as it relates to the Sabbath. Also, in Colossians chapter 2, Romans 13 and 14, hear this, we're told we're not to judge each other according to the Sabbath as it concerns the Sabbath. You have to follow the convictions of your heart. But here's the principle. Some people don't have a choice. They have to work on Sunday. I get that. All right, You don't have a choice. In order to provide for your family, you have to work on Sunday. But here's the principle as it applies to all of us and as it relates to Sunday. If you're working, regardless, if you're working, if you're on vacation, if you're at church, whatever, whatever you're doing, you need to take time that day 
to rest or to stop, to focus on the Lord, to worship him and to honor him with what you're doing. And if you have to work on Sunday morning, you need to find a place, a time where you can gather with other believers and still worship corporately with other believers. Because that commandment is, is listed very clearly in the New Testament, that we're not to give up meeting together. The point is, is that regardless of what I'm doing on this day, even if I'm on vacation at the beach and there's no church anywhere around, I need to gather together at some point during that day and have a time of worship where I'm focused on the Lord and I'm taking time to honor Him with this day. Because again, the principle still carries over. We are to focus on the Lord, to honor the Lord of the Sabbath. Regardless of what we do and everything that we do, we should honor the Lord. Everyone needs rest. Everyone needs to honor the Lord with everything that we do, and everyone needs rest, which brings us to our next point. Number three, the Sabbath promotes rest. It isn't just about rest, but yeah, it is. It's about rest. All of us need time to rest and recharge. In Psalm 23, verses 1 and 2, David said this, The Lord is my shepherd, there's nothing I lack. And he lets me, he allows me to lie down in green pastures. There's a physical rest that he's talking about here. Physical rest. And we all need times of physical rest. God designed the human body with an essential need for regular times of rest. There are times where we desperately need to stop and allow our bodies to recoup from whatever it is that we're doing. It's pretty clear. Again, the Sabbath, the word means to cease, to stop. To stop what you're doing so that your body can recover. There's a physical side to this, physical rest. Inc. Magazine had a survey a while back that said 62% of people in America feel that they are already burned out or on the verge of being burned out. I'm going to tell you, if you are burning the candle at both ends continually, then you're not very bright. You're not accomplishing what you want to accomplish. Because studies have shown over and over again that, that regular intervals of rest actually make you more productive than if you try to burn the candle at both ends continually. God created us with a desperate need for, for times of rest. Not to be lazy, but to have times of rest. Everybody needs it. It's a day to catch your breath. It's a day to, to recharge, a day to step back. If you can't do that on Sunday, you need to do it another day. You need to step back and rest. A break from school, a break from work, whatever the case may be. God gives us this blessing of having a time to be able to rest. And this is an issue of faith too, isn't it? For some of you, it is. Small business owners struggle with this. If I stop working today, am I going to lose money? Is the, are the things that, that I'm supposed to get done, are they going to get done? Is, is God going to, to be able to accomplish in my life what he wants if I stop working today? Well, the, the needs that, that I'm responsible continue to get met if I stop working for today. We have to trust that God will still meet our needs. And if we honor him to take, and by taking this break, by resting, it's an issue of faith. And I get it. But sometimes we all need regular times to where we can take a break. Truett Cathy. He was founder of Chick-fil-A, passed away in 2014, a successful businessman, longtime CEO of the then uh, almost 2,000 restaurants while he was still managing, still the CEO. He made a decision in 1948, 1948 
to close Chick-fil-A on Sunday, giving up the chance to make millions of dollars on Sunday, one of the the biggest eat-out days of the week. He closed his restaurant on Sunday. Why did he do that? He wanted to honor God, and he knew his employees needed a day of rest. He honored the Lord, and he made the decision that God was going to provide for him and his family. Now look at Chick-fil-A. I mean, is there any doubt that, that God took care of him and honored that commitment? He made a decision. We all have to make that same decision. This day of rest is a gift from God that he wants to give us. He wants to give it to you. You have to accept it. You have to make the commitment to trust God and to take that day of rest. Psalm 127 verse 2, Solomon said, In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep, rest to those that he loves. Rest. There's an old Indian parable that says you break the bow if it's continually bent. And you will break if you are continually under stress. A few years back, I think it was January of 2015, there was a wreck on I-59. Big surprise. Just north of Birmingham, I-2059, there was a wreck. And, or south of Birmingham, I can't remember. But anyway, the, a truck jackknifed. This is not uncommon. I mean, you've seen that before. But the reason it jackknifed was pretty uncommon. The driver wrecked because he was trying to drive and pull one of his teeth at the same time. He actually did it, but he was in such a hurry that he couldn't stop at a rest stop to pull a tooth. That's how big of a hurry he was in. And he ended up not only wrecking, but backing up a lot of other people, hundreds of other people for hours while they cleared this wreck. He had the tooth in his pocket. He showed the police, this is why I wrecked. I was pulling my tooth. He, I don't know anybody that's that busy. I can understand being too busy to go to the dentist, but driving and pulling your tooth at the same time. You know, when we refuse to rest, we put ourselves at harm and we put other people at harm, at risk. I mean, not just that. Think about some other examples. Think about Chernobyl. Think about Three Mile Island. Disasters that we all are aware. Exxon Valdez, all of those took place in the middle of the night. And fatigue played a part in mistakes that were made. We could go on and on and see examples. When we don't rest... Sometimes our exhaustion makes us dangerous. What happens is the more we work, the more we work, the more we work, the more stress we have, the more pressure builds up. And at some point, that pressure's got to be released. Let me show you what I'm talking about. I've got some balloons here. And here's what happens to all of us who continue to work. We work and we work and we work and we keep going and we keep going. Day in, day out, over and over again. Everybody, you're already covering your ears. You know where I'm going with this. You keep going day in, seven days a week, 12 hours a day, eight hours, 10 hours, whatever. You keep going. And what's eventually going to happen here? If I keep going, what's going to happen? Respond. (laughs) Let me know you're awake. That's right. Eventually, it's going to explode. I'm not going to do it this morning, okay? Some of you are begging for that to happen. But if I keep going, it's going to explode. What has to happen to keep that, this balloon from exploding? You've got to release the pressure. If you don't release the pressure, eventually it will explode. Guess what? This balloon is you and me. If we keep on and we keep on and we keep on day in, day out, without rest, you'll explode. You're going to have a come apart. You're going to have a meltdown. That's what we call it in my house when one of the kids has a meltdown. One of them has more than the others. I'm not going to tell you which one. I'll let you guess. 
but you're going to have a meltdown, and it's going to affect you physically. It will affect you emotionally, but guess what? It's going to affect the people you love, too. Forget about making up for work that you might lose. Forget about being productive. You're going to damage yourself emotionally. We ignored our need for rest and renewal at the peril of others and ourselves. But listen to me, probably the greatest harm we do is to our own souls. God gives us this day. It's a gift. He says, hey, I'm giving you this. You need rest. You need physical rest. You need to recharge. recharge. But if you don't take it, you will damage your soul. You'll damage yourself. Physical rest. And then there's emotional rest. We're more than just machines. In part, God gave us this fourth commandment because he himself took a Sabbath. Look at verse 11. For the Lord God made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and everything in them in six days. Then he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and declared it holy. If God stopped working on the Sabbath, don't you think you and I need to take a day off? Did God need rest? No, God doesn't get tired. Why did he do this? He did it. Same reason Jesus was baptized. He's setting an example for us. He's saying this is, this is necessary. This isn't optional. This isn't, hey, do it if you can. You need regular periods of rest. You need time to rest and recharge. Both the body and the mind need rest and re- relaxation. Again, Psalm 23, verse 2, David says, He leads me beside quiet waters. Peace, quiet. Psalm 46.10, God tells us there are times that you, you and I, we just need to be still. God says, be still and know that I'm God. There are times that we just need to stop. Again, Sabbath, stop. Cease. Be still and just focus on the Lord. That's your only responsibility. You know, one of the things I love about coming to worship is that all the craziness of my life, I can leave that outside. My only responsibility is to focus on the Lord, to focus on Him, to worship Him, and to listen to His voice. No other responsibilities. And we all have lots of responsibilities. My mind can rest in focusing on the Lord. All that stress, I can leave it. All those distractions and just focus on the Lord. We need emotional rest. Mark 6.31, Jesus said, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. We all need it. There's a jungle safari guide that said to a missionary on a safari, he said, today we're going to rest our bodies so that our souls can catch up. Sunday, sometimes we need to stop so our souls can catch up because we've run too much. Our minds are exhausted. Our bodies are exhausted. So what should you do on those days? Well, enjoy. Come to worship, obviously. Gather with God's people, but also enjoy your family. Spend time with your family. Ecclesiastes 9.9 speaks to this. Enjoy life with your wife whom you love. That's your family as well. God gives us family for a lot of reasons, one of which is so that life will be more rich, more full. Enjoy having fellowship with other believers. We come to worship, but we also fellowship, don't we? And that's a huge part. Fellowship. Hebrews 10.25, let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Encouragement, love, support. You know, encouraging each other to grow spiritually, ministering to one another, meeting each other's needs. These are all things that we do as the family of God, all benefits of being a part of a church family. Proverbs eleven twenty five. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will himself be refreshed. I find refreshment in refreshing you and encouraging you and ministering to you. 
We need to enjoy being a part of the family of God. I've told you before, we're on the Ten Commandments. My father-in-law has said time and time again, if he were to add a commandment, it would be the 11th commandment, thou shalt lighten up. <laughs> and we, there are times we need, need to enjoy being around. We, you know, I, I, it, sometimes we, we schedule fellowships and fill them so full of events that they're no longer relaxing and no longer fellowships. That's why we have things like eating ice cream where we just you know, sit around and get fat and enjoy each other, right? <laughs> I mean, we're just having fun. No agenda, just fellowship. And that's one of the things, not the only purpose, but one of the things that we can do on the Lord's day. God's giving it to us as a gift. Proverbs 17, 22, the joyful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit dries up bones. The, the, the Sabbath is a time to get our heads together. It's a time to rest physically. It's a time to rest emotionally, all the craziness, to clear the clutter, to clear the cobwebs, to focus on the Lord, to encourage one another, to build each other up so that we can regain our focus, so that we can honor the Lord. The Sabbath prioritizes worship. That's number four. We honor the Lord. The Sabbath prioritizes worship, to rest the mind, the body, the soul, but also to worship. It's for you know, physical, mental rest, but it's also spiritual rest and restoration. Verse 8, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. To keep something holy in the biblical sense really means to dedicate it for worship. To set it apart. To dedicate it to the Lord. Leviticus calls the Sabbath a day of sacred assembly, a time for God's people to worship. It's not just a day off. Yeah, it is, but it's not just a day off. It's a day to do spiritual business. Look at Psalm 23 again. David says in verse 3, he renews my life. Spiritually, he renews us. The Sabbath day is uniquely blessed for the refreshment of God's people as they gather together and worship the Lord and hear his word. It's a gift of rest, but it's a day set apart for God's people to gather together to to hear him, to worship him, and to hear from his word. We need rest physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And the truth is, worship is the only way you're going to accomplish all three of those things. Physical, emotional, and spiritual worship. Look at Matthew eleven twenty eight. Jesus says, come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Not just physical rest, complete physical, emotional, spiritual rest. Rest from your toil. Rest from vain vain effort. Rest from doing everything that you can do in your own strength. Rest from the stress of life because I trust him to, to take care of me and to provide for my needs. Rest that can only come from spending time in the presence of the Lord. The Sabbath is a time to rest and remember redemption. Deuteronomy 5.15, remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out of there with a strong hand and an outstretched arm. That is why the Lord your God has commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. God redeemed Israel from slavery in Egypt. God redeemed us from slavery to sin. And the Sabbath is a day to honor him. 
for that. It's a day of remembrance, remembrance, remembering what he's done for us. The Sabbath is also a time to refocus. We moved a few months ago, and y'all, I've already told you guys how much I love home theater systems and setting up home theater systems. Well, when I set up a home theater system, I have to calibrate the speakers so that it, it, the, the sound is right. I haven't done that yet because I've still got to run some speaker wires, and I've got to wait until it's below 100 degrees before I get in my attic. But once I do and hook up my speakers again, all of them, I've got to recalibrate my home theater system or it won't sound right because it's calibrated for the last room those speakers were in. And this is the microphone that I use to do that. I set the speakers on a certain level from one position in the room and it calibrates them. Every time I move from one room to another or change speakers, which is probably more often than I'd like to admit, I have to recalibrate the system. If there's a change, there needs to be a recalibration. Well, you and I, every seven days, you and I need to be recalibrated. We need to be reset physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And you see, worship is one of the ways that God does that. Worship, listen, it's about God. It's about giving him the full attention of my mind, the full affection of my heart, focusing on him. But here's the cool thing. Here's what God does as we do that. We focus on him. We worship him. And that he ministers to our heart through his word, through the Holy Spirit. And he uses that time to recalibrate us. Worship is the tool that he uses, among other things. But it's a tool that he uses to reset our hearts. Because you and I, every seven days, probably more than that, need to stop. And we need God to refocus our attention on the things that matter the most. We fill up our lives with so many things. We get so busy, and God says, I want you to stop. I want you to focus on me so that I can help you prioritize your life around what I have deemed important. So that we can focus on what he wants us to do. So that we can know what it is that we're supposed to be doing. So that we can fulfill the purpose that he's given each of us individually, but corporately as a church. He recalibrates our hearts, and we need to be focused again and again and again. Over and over again, regular intervals of rest and refocus. The sad truth is a lot of people take this day off and they rest their bodies, they rest their minds, they take the day off, they spend time with family, but they don't do the most important thing. They don't gather together with God's people. They don't worship the Lord on the day that is designated, set apart for the Lord of the Sabbath. And so they never fully experience rest the way that God intended. They're not honoring God. Mark 8, 36 and 37, Jesus said, For what does it benefit a man to gain the whole world, yet lose his life? What, what, what can a man give in exchange for his life? The Sabbath is a time for us to focus, to refocus, to refresh. Psalm 42, 1 and 2, As the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, God. I thirst for God. When can I come and appear Before God, our our souls are thirsty for the presence of God and for his refreshing. And again, Matthew 11, 28, Jesus says, come to me and I'll give you rest. That's the only place you're going to find true rest. Because without spiritual rest, you will never be completely rested. Without spiritual rest, you can have physical rest, you can have emotional rest. But without spiritual rest that comes from worship, from fellowship with God... And with his people together corporately, you will never be completely rested. Now, one day we're going to have perfect rest. 
Work will be perfected in heaven. Did you know we're going to work in heaven? Revelation 23 talks about serving God. We're going to serve God. Now, how? I don't know. I have a feeling the gifts that I'm given today will be used. Now, obviously, I'm not going to be preaching the gospel in heaven because there won't be a need. But we're all going to serve the Lord. But here's the thing. Work will no longer be labor. It'll be perfected in heaven. Rest will be perfected in heaven. Rest from what? Well, rest from life. Rest from sin, from suffering, from pain, the effects of old age. All of those things we'll find rest. Rest will be perfected in heaven. And worship will be perfected in heaven. Revelation 4 and 5 give us this huge, beautiful picture of worship in heaven. And worship will be continuous, and worship will be extravagant, and worship will be like nothing we've ever experienced, no matter how good our worship is here. And it is good, let me tell you, but it will be perfect in heaven because we won't get in the way. Sin won't get in the way. We will do those things, all of those things equal perfect rest the day where all of the bad things in life cease to exist and only Jesus, only perfection for all of eternity. But the sad truth is there are going to be some people who miss out on that rest. Turn to Hebrews 4 with me very quickly as we close. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, while the promise to enter his rest remains, let us fear that none of you should miss it. For we also have received the good news just as they did, but the message they heard did not benefit them, since they were not united with those who heard it in faith. For we who believed enter the rest in keeping with what he has said. So I swore in my anger they will not enter my rest, and yet his works have been finished since the foundation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in this way, and on the seventh day God rested from all his works. Again, in that passage, he says they will, they will never enter my rest. Since it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news did not enter because of disobedience, again he specifies a certain day today, speaking through David after such a long time as previously stated. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day, another day of rest. Therefore, a Sabbath remains for God's people. There's a future day of rest. For if the person who has entered his rest has rested from his own works, just as God did from his, let us then make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall into the same pattern of disobedience. There's a future day of rest. But the sad truth is, there's some people who are going to miss that day because they don't do what they're supposed to do today. You know, you've heard, you've seen the, the, the letters RIP, the acrostic, the initials stand for rest in peace. Now, when do we see that? We see it on tombstones a lot of the time, right? Someone dies, we say rest in peace. Now, again, the sad reality is that a lot of those people with RIP on their tombstone are not resting in peace because they did not receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior in this life. If you don't accept the Lord of the Sabbath, you will not receive the future day of Sabbath, the future day of rest that he has promised. In Isaiah 57, 21, it says, There is no peace for the wicked, says my God. But we have the Lord of the Sabbath. And hear me. 
You know, all of these things that we've talked about are important, but what I want for you, I want you to experience the fullness of the Sabbath. I want you to experience the Lord's day the way that he intended to be rest, to be focused on God's will for your life, the mission of this church. But hear me, if you are here today and you do not know the Lord of the Sabbath, you will miss out on the most important Sabbath there ever will be, an eternal Sabbath. And the only way you can receive that day of rest is by accepting the Lord of the Sabbath, Jesus Christ, as your personal Lord and Savior. He died on the cross because you could not pay for your sins. He pays the price for you. If you will accept him, ask forgiveness of your sins, invite him into your life, and make him the Lord of your life, you can receive salvation. The Sabbath is a gift that God gives us to rest. Salvation is a gift that Jesus gives you. And like any other gift, you have to accept it. But if you do... You talk about rest. Rest from the greatest problem you will ever face. The most scary thing you will ever encounter no longer has hold on you once you accept Jesus. Death itself, there's no reason to fear. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes this morning. If you're here today and you are struggling through life, which some of you are, day after day, work, exhaustion, toil, you keep going and you keep going and you cannot find rest, let me invite you to accept the Lord of the Sabbath this morning. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, during this time of commitment, I'm encouraging you to come. For the rest of us, where does this apply? Where are we falling short? Are we going through the motions on Sunday? Are we not taking a day of rest here and there to recharge, to refocus? Are we not honoring God with our work, with our school, with everything that we do? Where does it apply? Father, speak to our hearts today. Show us how to respond to your word in a way that will please you. Give us wisdom and help us to make the commitments you would have us to make. During this time of invitation and beyond as we live our lives, may we do everything for your glory and to honor your name. Because you alone are worthy of honoring glory. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand for our time of commitment?